When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Love Tennis Podcast with me, James Gray, and George Belshaw of Metro.co.uk. The sunshine swing is over, which is sort of fitting because it's been quite sunny in London the last few days uh, until now. With the cricket season approaching, it started raining. Uh, and it's also been raining in Miami for everyone except Roger Federer. That sort of works, doesn't it? <laughs> Federer won Miami, that's what I'm trying to say, uh, which is obviously a surprise to nobody. It was very good. But this was supposed to be a special Miami Open because they've moved venue. Yes, so they've moved to the Hard Rock Stadium. Um, and they've was, put... it, was it worth it? Well, they posted record attendances, so I suppose from that perspective, it was good. I mean, um, sort of mixed feedback on the whole thing. I think the kind of external court sort of areas were pretty good. I mm. think the kind of setup as a whole was quite grand. I think I believe they've got the biggest TV screen at any sporting event. Oh, good. That's what I like to. That's what I look for <laughs> in my sporting events: is big TV screens. Um, apparently. The parking's very expensive and quite exploitive. Um, but also, the big problem was the main stadium seemed quite soulless, didn't really fill it, it up weird. very much. I mean, it is weird trying to play tennis in a massive stadium like yeah. that, isn't it? I don't really know what the prices were, but there was a lot of empty seats in the second half of the tournament, whereas it was very full in the early half, which suggests to me maybe they got the pricing wrong. Yeah. Um, there's quite a lot of fancy corporate seats going on with kind of big recliners and stuff. Oh, which, funny that. And, you know, it doesn't look great when they're all empty all the time. No, um, but, yeah, it, I think, you know, there are always going to be teething problems when you go to a new area, but they'll mm. be looking at, you know, record attendances. Yeah. So I suppose they'll be quite happy. Probably helped by the fact that two Canadians and, Amer- and an American and Roger Federer made it into the semifinals of the men's draw. I mean, that that is the dream for an organiser of that tournament, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the two semifinals were pretty interesting. Just, I mean, they weren't necessarily the best matches, actually, but they were good lineups for yeah. kind of interest. You know, you've got this kind of old guard, young guard feel going on. Um, you know, Felix Auger Aliassime should have beaten, isn't it, really? I mean, he was served for both sets. Um, and is 
you know, I've been looking at this guy for a while. Like, where's yeah, his you've, weakness? You've been banging the FAA drum for a while. It's brilliant. You? He's a really, really brilliant player. And I've been trying to look what's his big weakness. And it kind of actually came out against John Isner. Um, the second serve. You know, mm. he just was getting his ball tossed wrong. He served three double faults when he was serving for the first set. Uh, another double fault in the second one. He just couldn't find his rhythm in the biggest moments. And they always say, when you're tightest, that's when your weakness shows itself most. So that's the one thing about his game that's minorly worrying. But I mean, he's the young first guy in the 2000s to be in the top 50. Uh, coming in about 33, I think, in the rankings now. So, you know, he's got a pretty good shot of being seeded for the French Open. He's not going to have many points to defend um, in this clay season, the grass season, because you know he's not been playing on the main tour. So, you know, realistically, he could be top twenty by the end of the clay season, uh, which would be pretty top mental. Top ten by the end of the year. I, I don't. Well, I do see why not. We can maybe we can maybe make our predictions on that later on. <laughs> don't make me do predictions, George. I've got here our <laughs> predictions for the Miami Open. They don't make good reading. I don't. Do we have a single quarter finalist? Uh, oh yeah, you did. Uh, Petra Kvitova got to the quarterfinals. That, was Anderson not? A oh yeah, and Anderson, Anderson lost to Federer in the quarters. So. All right, so you know, one out of four. Sissi <laughs> uh, Pass got to the quarterfinals as well. He lost to Shapovalov. Uh, I think. No, that was the last sixteen. Was it? Yeah. Sorry, oh. I hate to disappoint you, George. Oh no. You picked two. George, by the way, picked uh, Stefanos Sissi Pass lost to Shapovalov in the last sixteen. Uh, got that deep. was close though. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> you're clutching your straws there. Uh, and then you also picked uh, Alexander Zverev, who lost in the first round to David Ferrer. Yeah, that I mean, was that, a shocker. That is about... I think losing to David Ferrer is as bad as it gets at the moment. Given that David Ferrer doesn't want to lose to David Ferrer. Like, honestly. I, I got a bit of a stick for saying this on Twitter. You know, people being like, oh, Ferrer's a great professional. I mean, for goodness sake, get a grip. We're looking at Zverev, who wants to become world number one here. Mm. And it was just a kind of a damning indictment of where his form's gone this year. I mean, he's... I don't think he's even in like the top 20 for the race at the minute. I think he's well, dropped we off were, a cliff. We were going to talk about it, and we might as well since we've accidentally stumbled upon it. Cause such a well-structured show, isn't it? <laughs> um, what on earth has gone on? Because I kind of thought, and I think I said this as much at the beginning of the year, everything was coming into place for him. Everything made sense. And, and yet again, for what seems like the third or maybe even fourth time in this guy's career... At the age of what, you know, 21, 22, 21 even, he's not even 22 yet. We're talking about, oh, he's had another massive setback. What, what is wrong with him, George? Well, you know, I mean, he reached the final in Acapulco and you're kind of thinking, right, he's bounced back. Yeah. I mean, that Australian Open result to Ryanich was really bad from a mental perspective. I mean, the guy just had a complete meltdown, wasn't, was barely winning a game in the first two sets, mm. S- smashed his racket into oblivion and you're just like, wow. Is Ivan Lendl going to be liking this? You know, he's traditionally a kind of a disciplinarian and looking at this stroppy boy, essentially. Um, but he bounced back in Acapulco, got to the final, lost to Kyrgios, who could have beaten anyone that week. I mean, he was just playing next level sort of stuff. And you're kind of thinking, right, he's coming into Indian Wells in Miami. He did very well in Miami last year, got to the final. I saw him as someone who could, you know, have decent runs in both events. It's just, it's not happened for him again. And It's a bit inexplicable, isn't it? I think he's just... I, I just can't quite put my finger on exactly what's going wrong. I know you predicted him to win Wimbledon, right? And uh, yeah, sure. Let's say I did that. So, you know, we're kind of... Unfortunately, there's an actual audio record of it. So <laughs> can't really get away from it. So, so you know, Zverev's been saying Lendl and him will see the fruits of their labour about six months in, which will lead us to around Wimbledon time. Now, that to me says we should be seeing 
a slow incline of improvement. I, I'm not seeing it at the minute. I mean, we saw it at the ATP finals. He played some great stuff there. Seems to me they've gone a hell of a long way back down. And now he's coming into the clay season with, I believe I'm right in saying, the most points to defend behind Rafa. Mm. So maybe, you know, it could I mean, be trouble. Maybe uh, it's like building a space shuttle. You know, if you're building a space shuttle, I could say to you... you I don't know how to do this, so (laughs) I'm interested in where you're going. Okay, here we go. Stay with me, right? If you're building a space shuttle and you say, right, I'm going to build a space shuttle, it's going to take me four years to get the shuttle into space. Mm. I could come to you after three years and 355 days and be like, you've made no progress. Your space shuttle is still zero feet off the ground. Mm. And then, of course, right at the end, your space shuttle explodes and your entire crew dies and you make no progress. Or it blasts off and you win Wimbledon. To counter that, I think you might want to test, you know, your kind of zero gravity versus uh, a see. bit of kind of air, aerodynamics. Not, not, not testing game. Yeah, maybe. Details, George, details. <laughs> well, Alexander Zverev can't build a space shuttle. That yeah. seems to be what we've uh, we've stumbled upon there. Bad week for him. Good week for Ashley Barty. Brilliant week for Ashley Barty. And I, I think good year, really, so far. I thought she was excellent in Australia. Um, she obviously drew that wonderful... Uh, mem- wonderfully memorable Maria Sharapova press conference by beating her on home soil and uh, she had a good run there I think she lost to Kvitova I'm right in saying I can't I don't have the draw in front of me but I'm pretty sure that was who she eventually lost to um, correct oh good my memory can look quite good sometimes but well the only other person who's beaten her this year is Svitolina in Indian Wells yeah. so... so and she's inside the top 10 now what I love about her game is just the variety um, I mean she's I think a lot of female players sometimes we look at them as very uncomfortable coming forward to the the net. She's the complete opposite. She loves playing at the net, and even though she's relatively small, like kind of five foot five, she's she looks great there, and she looks like she's got a good wingspan. She knows how to read the game. She plays a lot of doubles, so she she's got a really really good understanding of net play. But her variety at the back's excellent. She's got enough power to kind of go through. I, I wouldn't be surprised. She's only twenty two. I wouldn't be surprised if we talking about her potentially as a French Open and Wimbledon challenger, really. And it's not as though she had an easy draw in Miami either. She had to beat three top ten players on her way to the title. It was She, she had to do it the hard way, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I if I put Ash Barty's name against anyone on the women's side, I think she's as good as anyone on a one-off match, really. I don't I don't see her as someone who's gatecrashed the top ten, who's playing the best tennis of her life and is not going to get better. I think she's a she is a top ten player, possibly top five, possibly top three. Um, all that will come is consistency and big Grand Slam results, and that's not quite happened yet. You know, she was good in Australia, but I think that I think I'm right in saying that was her first quarterfinal. That would make sense. Um, so you know that that's the next step for her, and as someone like Alina Svitolina's proven, that doesn't necessarily follow. You know, you can be great at these sort of events and not let it translate into Grand Slam form, um, I but I think it will. The advantage she has is, I mean, you mentioned her doubles. She's been to the final of every single Grand Slam doubles tournament. Mm-hmm. She's won Wimbledon. She's won the U.S. Open and lost the other three. But nevertheless, she she knows what it's like to be deep into the second week. All right, doubles a bit different, but even so, I think that sort of thing gives you. Remember that she's only twenty two. You know, she's she's a young player. She, I think it just gives you that element of walking out there and going, I know what happens to my body when I get into the middle of this court and it's full and there's a Grand Slam title. All right, you're on your own. Bit different. But nevertheless, I think that's a massive advantage for you. And yeah, she seems like a very talented player. And women's you say runs at women's Grand Slam are tough. They are. But also, the draw can just crack open. Mm. You know, it's so brittle sometimes. 
every match is so unpredictable. You've got so many players. You know, I think you've got six former world number ones in the top 13 at the moment of the women's game, which is completely insane. I don't think we've had that in the men's game for... Yeah, I mean, maybe <laughs> ever. ever yeah. Maybe ever, actually. <clears throat> maybe in the, that weird post-Sampras yeah. era, but that's about it. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility, and she is up into the world top, top ten now, because I think she's number nine in the world. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that, all right, she's not a great clay player, but... She gave Serena a really good game. I, I think she can do some business on clay. I think, <clears throat> I think she's... The kind of tricky nature of her play could work on clay. Like mm. Grass is where I see her being the best. Actually, well, that's, that, that's I think at Wimbledon, you know, be she's obvi- like, like everything about her sort of <clears throat> suggests she should be good on grass. A, she's Australian, and for some reason, Australians <laughs> just seem to take to the grass. Yes, the variety of her play. Yes, she's good at the net. Yes, she's good at doubles, and she's shorter. So actually, you want to, in some ways that suits you because you can get down to the low ball more easily. Another injury for Serena Williams, which is not what we wanted to see. We were hoping that this would be a, a full year of Serena having a big run at all the Grand Slams. Uh, she beat Rebecca Peterson in three sets in the first round. Not did, had to work for it, to say the least, against the world number 63 and then, and then pulled out injured. What do you think is going on at the moment, George? I'm quite worried for her. Um I came into this season thinking her matching Margaret Court's record would be a formality. Uh, I thought she'd do it in Australia, to be perfectly honest. I thought she would just get fitter and fitter and stronger and stronger. And it's not materialised that way. And I think there's a there's a shift in a lot of people's mindsets where they're looking at her now and they're saying it's a case of if, not when now. Um, I believe I'm right in saying she won't be playing another tournament until Rome. And that doesn't happen until pretty late in May. I think something like May the 13th would be a potential next match. Mm. Yeah, because um, she's not she's not playing in Madrid. so that's... She's not doing anything. So, yeah, I think it's interesting times. I didn't really see her winning the French Open, to be honest. I know she said in Australia when she kind of lost that match to Pliskova that, you know, she was asked do you believe you'll match Margaret Court's record? And she's like, yeah, I think I'll do it at the French Open. Uh, I don't think she'll do that. I think she could peak in time for Wimbledon. I still see that as her best chance of doing it. Um, but it's it's definitely becoming more and more worrying. And I think, you know, this sort of injury, okay, she rolls the ankle at Australia. She's done her knee now. These question marks, is her body able to deal with the demands of professional tennis, not only at the age of 37 going on 38, but, you know, as a woman who's come back from pregnancy pretty late on in her 30s, this mm. hasn't been done that much. Really. No, and also a woman who's been playing top-level professional tennis since the 90s. You know, that that's the reality of it. And I always said that when you have a persistent injury, it's a long decline. When you have different injuries, it's short decline. Because it's your it's different bits of your body popping. And going, yeah, it's not it's not that we're weak, it's just that everything is weak. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If you have a weakness somewhere, it, it tends to have things that lead to other things. These don't feel like connected injuries. This is cartilage damage in her knee. That's bad. You know, when people start saying the word cartilage, that's very bad. I was uh, chatting to my girlfriend about what we were going to be talking about on the podcast today. Mm. Um, and I mentioned Serena and kind of was saying she's having a few injury problems and... It's a bit worrying, and she she's a um, qualified personal trainer, so she's got a bit of kind of fitness nous about her. And she was saying something quite interesting that I just thought I'd 
bring up about uh, pregnant women being more susceptible to injury for the first two years after pregnancy. And she was saying it might actually be nothing to do with her age, but might be due to... Because I, I mean, I'm not entirely sure of the science, but she was saying you're kind of so used to getting wide for birth, etc., mm. that you actually are kind of looser and a bit tighter in other areas. I see. And it can make your legs more susceptible to injury. Well, this kind of plays into, and this is something that you hear in a, in a special podcast that we've got coming up. We were speaking to a, a sports scientist on, on the differences, sort of physiological sporting differences in men and women. And he was saying that there's a much higher instance of ACL injuries in female sports persons, pe- people, sports women... <laughs> what they're saying it, because of the the sort of hip to knee width ratio puts more stress on certain parts of the body and yeah your body does change irrevocably in 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 the form in childbirth and I, it wouldn't surprise me if certain injuries are more common and yeah of, of course it takes a huge amount of your body let's also not forget serena had an extremely traumatic childbirth she's spoken mm. about that very openly so that takes a toll on the body as well I hope you're wrong, George. I hope it's not the end of Serena, but it is starting to feel like it might be. Good news for British tennis fans this week. Uh, Andy Murray releasing a video on Instagram of him hitting balls. All right, quite gently and against a wall, but it was progress and it was it was something, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, you know, it wasn't him sprinting from one end <laughs> to the other, but it you know he was hitting fine. He seems to be moving. He says he's pain-free, pain. which is pretty insane. Uh, and probably a pretty massive for him. For for me, I looked at it and thought he'll be able to play tennis with his kids. I know that I know that sounds really silly, but part of the worry for sportsmen, especially like Andy, who push their bodies to beyond any sort of limits, I, I think you want them to be able to go through their life and share their gift and their talent and their their passion with with their children. And there are plenty of sportsmen of a certain area who can't do that. And so it was good to see that and think, well, even if he never plays professional tennis again, at least he can knock a ball around with his kids and his mum and his brother. And That's very sentimental of you. Well, That's no, really I mean, nice. because honestly, I just think that when sportsmen get to a certain time, they just have to think about different things in their life. And I'd hate Andy Murray to have pushed himself back one more time just because we all wanted him to and because everyone on Instagram said it would be great. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, five years later and, and he can't play mixed doubles with his eight-year-old. Okay, well, I, I think that's a nice, a nice touch from you, and uh, it's good to see him with a racket look, in hand. Crucially, you just don't like seeing guys injured, uh, just like Rafa Nadal, who's got this horrible knee injury. Not. <laughs> <laughs> we we think this injury is complete nonsense, basically. <laughs> well, I think let, let's put it this way: I, I think skipping Miami was precautionary and not. Let's just say I don't think it's any long-term damage. Mm. I think he'll be fine for the clay season there's a video of him doing the rounds today where he's darting around freely sliding moving perfectly um you know saying murray's not moving at all this is a guy going from one tram line to the other looking physically completely fine look looks like a guy's got a lot of trust in his body uh not just darting from tram line to tram line but also finishing going to the net as well so all all signs of movement look pretty good um you know, I was kind of thinking, right, if that knee was causing him a problem so late on in the hardcourt season, would it roll over into the clay? Does that open the door to someone like Djokovic, to team, to Zverev? Uh, but I am now rethinking that. <laughs> it's starting to look like Rafa might dominate the clay court season again. We were hoping that 
we might see someone like Djokovic break that dominance, suspect, but his form's just 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 vanished. Yeah, it's a strange one. Um, I really was expecting him to turn up and win at least one of Indian Wells and Miami. Probably Miami more, actually, once he lost early in Indian Wells. I thought he would just come out and tear things up, and it looked like he was going to. I mean, he was he won that first sentence against uh, Batista Agut, 6-1, mm. and then ended up losing that match. I mean, and that's you know, crazy. Batista Agut's just that bloke who you lose to when you're playing badly. Like, he, he's not the guy who has the day of his life. And you just think, well, that happens. He's the guy who just gets it back and just grinds you down. Uh, look, I think he's a good player, but I, I just don't really know what he's got to offer that's going to beat you on any sort of good day. Beating Djokovic twice this year now, which is but pretty might, crazy. I might say more about Djokovic than Roberto <laughs> Batista Agut, but uh, do you think Djokovic will bounce back really quickly? I, I do, and I think, you know, when I was kind of dissecting how how much these alarm bells should be ringing... The conclusion I kind of came to was uh, we'll have a much better idea of whether this is a kind of drop-off in form, you know, guys, one, three grand slams, a bit of complacency, mm. or whether the reality is his priorities just lie in the clay this year. You know, I'm not saying he went to Indian Wells and Miami thinking, oh, this doesn't matter. I need to, you know, only care about the clay. But subconsciously, you know, this is the time of the season that's most important to him. This is where he needs to get in the matches. Um, I believe he's down for Monte Carlo now, mm. um, which he was kind of umming and ahhing about. But I, just, I think those bad results in Indian Wells and Miami will encourage him to play there. Well, and I think like, that's a good thing. It's a wear and tear thing as well. You know, if you, if you go out of a tournament early, it frees up. You know, I always think it's a bit like mileage on a car. You don't want to get to the end of the season and have played a dominant team number of matches. Mm, yeah. You you if you go out in a couple of tournaments early you think, well, I can add a clay court one because I've got it in the legs and realistically it's what I need anyway. And I think, you know, for the clay season, which the last few years has been pretty boring unless you're a Nadal fan. Mm. Uh it what we really need is an early Djokovic Nadal meeting at Monte Carlo. I think that that is what will set the tone nicely. If that's a, a close match or if Novak can somehow win that and don't forget, he has won Monte Carlo twice. You know, no, people forget very quickly that how much Djokovic was dominating Nadal on clay. I mean, for me, Djokovic has reached the highest level on clay for anyone outside of Nadal. You know, in the last fifteen years, I think he's been that good on clay. Team has obviously stepped up a couple of well, times. I was say teams, in, team in sort teams of getting there, but Djokovic has beaten him, I believe, about seven or eight times. Nadal mm. on clay, mm. uh, team's beaten him three, and I think. Nadal's always said himself, Djokovic is the guy who's been my biggest rival on clay. And mm. I think having... The hope is for the game that we get Djokovic back to where he was, you know, 2014, 15, 16, where he was playing so well on the clay. If we get that guy back in 2019 and we get the raffer of the last two years, it's going to be fireworks. It'll be fantastic. And throwing team into the mix, throwing Zverev... Got a you can't throw in Zverev at the moment on current form. No, but... Again, based on what he did the last couple of years, you know, he's turned into, you know, one of the top three clay guys, mm. top four with Novak back in the mix. So I think there's a lot to be excited for. I just really hope that Novak, it was a, a kind of not a loss of focus, but a, a, re, a realising of where his focus needs to be. Mm. It, it was sort of looking around for people to break up the clay dominance. There's a few obvious candidates that you've named. Anyone from outside of that top five who who could realistically have a breakthrough clay court season, I know you're going to say Felix. 
Uh, uh, yeah, obviously going to say Felix. I think he, he got to the final in Rio um, mm. earlier this year. Um, youngest ever player in an ATP 500 final. Um, so I think he's a very good clay player and, you know, he's full of confidence, playing some great stuff. The the problem for him is people will be very aware of him. They'll want to take him down now. So that there'll be there will be ups and downs with him, I'm sure. But I, I think he'll be seeded for the French Open. Um, hmm. Looking at his ranking now, which is pretty big. Well, yeah, he should be. Yeah, um, he should pick up enough points to get get up to that point. I was... Stan is another one that we perhaps haven't looked at for a while. But you know, I mean, I don't think I've literally to... said his name for about three months, mm. other than pff, Stan. Crikey, I feel sorry for him. Obviously, he's had some bad draws. Um, and that's I've, what happens when you're bad. Yeah, <laughs> but he, he's again, but he's again creeping towards the top thirty. I think. And right. I, I, it's a slow, it's a slow and steady process with him, and I just feel like he needs a a good draw, and b just one week where it all clicks, and I, I sense the clay is where that would happen for him more than anywhere else. And with that, you could jump. You know, he's now at a point where you jump from 35 to 20 with one good week, and, and that does make a difference. Uh, some people were talking about Daniil Medvedev, obviously has had a very good hard-court season, impressed on that surface. Uh, I was just flicking through his clay court record. Would you like to know how many wins he's got against top 50 players on clay? Uh, imagine zero. Zero is the yeah. answer. <laughs> he's only got three against top 100 players. Yeah. Uh, it would be a heck of a breakthrough if, if this were to be his year. Yeah, I mean, he's got a great opportunity to crack the top 10 in the clay season because I think he's got something like 50 to 150 points to defend well, across that, the clay season. I mean, season. I, don't, I don't think he can have very many points at all to defend looking at it. I mean, he won one match on clay last year. Oh, a couple at Hamburg against yeah. some pretty average Germans. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking very, very... If it's reached three figures, mm. that would be relatively surprising. Uh, um, yeah, he actually played a bit more on clay last year than I gave him credit for. But uh, he did not win many matches. No. He beat Martin Fuchsovic. Well, well, d- well done him. I mean, I say well done. That is literally his best ever result on clay <laughs> to beat Martin Fuchsovic in the first round of Monte Carlo. So who knows? Maybe this will be his big year. It'll certainly be better than losing to Benjamin Bonzi in the first round of the French <laughs> Open, <laughs> which is on his record. I love it. You know what? When Daniil Medvedev wins like six grand slams, this will sound ridiculous, but I do love looking at the early career and going, God, you were really bad when you were 19. <laughs> you lost to some really, really bad players. Now, George, your next jetting off involves Monte Carlo, of all places, although I hear you're not actually staying in the city. <laughs> uh, somehow, Metro de Codique won't stretch to that particular expense. Uh, I'm just sort of flicking through the entry list. Who are you excited about at Monte Carlo specifically? Because... That's always the one that seems to throw up some different results sometimes, maybe not winners because it's clay and it's a bit of a sort of, you know, flattener of, of the underdog. But there must be a couple of players who you think have a chance of doing something special there anyway. Well, I think the predictable ones. Yeah. Are, I, I, Djokovic I think, has got a good record there. Yeah, I think Novak is the one who, if he 100% confirms he is playing, is the one... Who will be most interesting? I think that's well. If the he tournament. doesn't play, he definitely won't be interesting. No. <laughs> but you know, he'll—he's the one who needs to make the statement quickly. Mm. I think um, team will be a threat. But again, as I was mentioning before, I think Vavrinka is a player who could do very well in Monte Carlo. Um, is Roger playing this one? No, he's only turning up in Madrid, right? Uh, and Paris, <laughs> i.e., like 
the non-clay clay court tournament. <laughs> yeah, the one he's got the best chance of winning, realistically. I mean, it's just so weird. It's just weird that he would... I mean, I get that he's on a reduced schedule now, but it's weird that he would say, right, I'm going to play clay, which sort of calls, off, calls us all off guard a little bit. And he's like, but I'm only going to play one tournament and the Grand Slam. It's strange, isn't it? I suppose Serena's going to do the same thing if we're comparing uh, two 37-year-olds. But, yeah, no, I think there's lots of theories about Federer on the clay as a whole. Some think he's doing it as a kind of a farewell tour, which, you know, if it, if that was the case, you'd maybe expect him to turn up at one more place. Mm. Um, some say, you know, Madrid is the best one he can win because they were, you know, let's be honest, his points were looking a bit ropey for getting a top four seeding at Wimbledon. Yeah. That's less so the case now. But before this um, sunshine swing, it wasn't looking so healthy for Federer. So, mm. you know, I, I don't think, you know, he, he said himself there's not too much pressure for him coming into these tournaments. But he also said he's pretty much not played on clay at all, even practicing for two years. Mm. And so he needs to reteach himself how to slide. So maybe a good block of training before putting himself out there. I mean, you can it's see him turning up in Monte Carlo. Matches, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, well, given that most of them turn up in Monte Carlo anyway, losing the second round and go, yeah, but it's so hard transitioning to clay. I had to get different <laughs> shoes. Honestly, that seems to be the bit they all just like, oh, I had to change shoes It really affected me. I know tennis players' feet and hands are like pretty haggard, <laughs> but nevertheless. Um, I've got a bit of a trivia question for you, George, oh, no. uh, which is regarding Monte Carlo. Because obviously Nadal's won it about a million times. Djokovic won two and Stan's won one. Who was the last person who I haven't named to win Monte Carlo? So those three have won it ever since 2004. The last person to win Monte Carlo that wasn't Nadal, Djokovic and Vavrinka. Juan Carlos Ferreira? Oh my, George, you're so close. And I'm really just because he was the one before. He was the one who won it in 2003 uh, and 2002, actually. So that was an excellent guess. Oh, thank you. Uh, If you got it at home, congratulations. Would you like any clues? He's South American. I was going to go for like Courier. Courier! Well done, George. Second time. (laughs) If you beat George to it at home, then you can have the points instead of him. Uh, There's only five points available, obviously. And what do points mean? (laughs) Nothing. <laughs> Correct. I would like to see Federer play more clay court tournaments because two years ago I said I didn't think I'd ever see Federer play on clay again. And I wasn't massively disappointed, but equally you want to see the best players do as many different things for as long as possible. So I sort of now hope that Federer does keep going and play clay next year as well because that would give me more of a chance to see him do something different, get out of his comfort zone a little bit. But I don't necessarily know whether he's going to do that. No, there's a, there's another theory with Federer that he won't play clay at all next year um, because of the Olympics making that a longer stretch mm. uh, in the summer. So there were some suggesting that he dialed this in earlier this year just right. in case he wasn't playing beyond the Olympics. So that he wouldn't have no clay. Yeah, so... I, I, you know, I think a, there's a lot of kind of rumours and gossip and you know whatever. I think yeah, genu- you write most of it. <laughs> I think the the genuine truth of the matter is that he needed a bit of match play before Wimbledon, a kind of constant run. He's feeling fit and healthy. He feels up to it. He's playing pretty well. Yeah, don't be surprised if he wins Madrid. I mean, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but. Those conditions suit him so well. You look at Zverev last year, he pretty way, pretty much served his way to the title. Mm. So don't rule out Federer doing that as well. 
don't be surprised if Federer wins Madrid. You heard it here first. <laughs> Time is catching up with us on the Love Tennis Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You leave us a review, a nice one, please, a rating, and follow us on Twitter at Love Tennis Pod. We'll be back very soon. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.